listening to Salam Doll, the podcast where Muslim women don't fit the stereotypes, we break them. I'm your host, Zara Pedersen. You can find this episode and the full archive of all the episodes on zarapedersen.com. Welcome to the show. Salam doll, it's your girl Zara here. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am so excited for today's episode because you know why? We're going to talk about sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Okay, I think I just revealed my age right about then. Um, but it's okay. It was a great tune. So today's guest is here to talk about sex with me. Let's talk about sex as Muslims. Let's talk about sex in Islam. Let's talk about sex within the Muslim communities around the world. Honey, how do we talk to kids about sex? All that good stuff. This is not an episode you're going to want to miss. So let me just go straight into introducing today's guest. Today I'm speaking to Dr. Shakira Abdullah. She's also known as the halal sexpert. Do you see that? Halal sexpert. I love that. She's a sexologist and family nurse practitioner with a doctor of nursing practice degree. She provides sexuality education to the Muslim community from an Islamic perspective, and she'll earn her PhD in human sexuality from Widener University in the year 2023, which is just around the corner. I'm so excited to have her on this show. So please help me welcome to the podcast, Dr. Shakira Abdullah. Salaamu Alaikum Shakira, how are you? Alhamdulillah, how are you? I'm very good. First day of Ramadan and we're sitting down and recording. <laughs> so exciting. It is. And uh, well, I mean, at the, by the time this episode, by the time you listeners are hearing it, you know, we're kind of actually going to be coming close towards the end of Ramadan. So, I mean, it, that's just how it goes. We pre-record here the episodes, but that's good. I'm super excited, Shakira, to have you on the podcast today. And I'm so happy that you accepted the invitation. I found you um it was actually a recommendation from clubhouse someone was recommending you talking about you and I went in and I found you and I was like oh my gosh yes wow <laughs> yeah so I was really really excited about that um so just really quickly I've given an introduction to you like in my words but I always love my guests to introduce themselves in their own words to the listeners go ahead okay so my name is Dr. Jagir Abdullah I am the Halal expert so I and in the US, but I primarily focus on providing Muslim families with sexuality education from an Islamic perspective. I'm I'm super intrigued by, you know, um, educating Muslims on sex. And, and I think it's, I think what you do is amazing. I think it's so good. I think there needs to be more people like you out there, but can you kind of go explain a little bit more about what that means, what, what you do? So a lot of times, um, like today, we live in such a um, high sexualized culture, right? So it's sexuality all around us. And I think it's important for Muslims to understand that um, we have to reclaim what sexuality looks like in its limb. Like it's not just a super taboo thing that you're not supposed to ever talk about. When the Prophet Muhammad um, talked about sex with his companions, he um, emphasize things like foreplay and making sure that you cater to your wives and emphasize those type of things. Um, and it kind of got lost when you think about um, colonization yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. when all of that happened. Um, and it kind of created this um, this culture and this taboo nature around sex. 
So what I'm trying to do is educate Muslims on how to have a healthy sexual relationship um, within their marriages, how to talk to their children about sex from an Islamic perspective, and how to keep them connected to Allah and to their religion. Like you can still be spiritual and sexual um, in a way. So teaching them how to do that, um, that coincides with their religious beliefs is what I'm all about. Yeah, no, I'm I'm so I just love everything you've just said because there's so much in this. And I think one of the things, you know, that that I personally like, oh, when was it? This is back in the day. I actually was thinking about, oh, maybe I should be a sexologist and you know, teaching Islam, like or like teach Muslims and stuff, because I also was thinking there's so many misconceptions around mm-hmm. Islam and sexuality and sex, and it's become I don't want to say taboo or stigmatized, but I like that, but a little bit less. Like, I don't know what the, you know, it's shameful. It's become something like you're, you're, you, you, ought, you never talk about it in public. Not that, you know, you should go out and talk to strange men about it or anything, but like, you know, you don't talk to your family about it. You're, you don't talk to your friends about it. And when you do, you have to be, you know, you can't really speak openly. And you, you said colonization, Yes, colonization. Yeah, so I I would have said like culture, but please explain. (laughs) So basically what happened was, um, so the Christians had like this view about sexuality being this this thing where it's like dirty, it's shameful, it's something that you don't talk about, something that you only do to have children. Um, And they kind of, as they colonized a lot of the African societies, a lot of the um, West, um, sorry, the European cultures, um, and they really just colonized them to have this view surrounding sex because um, a lot of religions um, or a lot of people before that looked at sex as a gift from God. And this is something that, you know, God has given us are to embrace, you know, our body parts. And um, the Christians kind of came with this, you know, the white Christians Um, The Puritans kind of came with this view that sex is this dirty thing. And we kind of held on to that. Mm. Okay. So you're talking about sort of like in the American context? And also in, so in America and also in a lot of the European countries and in the African countries. Right. That's so interesting. I've never thought about that before. But then I, I guess I haven't really done my homework to like understand where it's coming from. So that's, I guess, understandable. But that's a really interesting concept because I've personally been thinking, oh, it's like a culture thing, you know, that maybe the Arabic cultures or something or the Indian cultures or Asian cultures are sort of like that. That's where it's coming from, that the, there's a confusion between culture and religion, because when we look at a religion, there's nowhere that says sex mm-hmm. is bad or anything. I mean, it, it says have consensual sex with your spouse, mm-hmm. of course but you know other than that what where are we getting this idea from that we are not supposed to be talking about it and mm-hmm. I, I really like your take on it yes I think a lot of cultures really grasp that idea from you know that colonization type of view and that's how I, I think it spread throughout the cultures um to have this additional you know that sex is this taboo thing because like you said the religion does not you know a law talks about sex in a, in a beautiful mm-hmm. way and the Prophet Muhammad, who was our best example, you know, as Muslims, talked about it. So it's kind of like, where do we get this notion that you can't be spiritual and sexual, you know, in a way that Allah wants you to be? Yeah, absolutely. I, w- I want to know, um, where, when did you begin this? When were you thinking this is, this is a career path for me? How did you, how did you land in this? So I was born and raised Muslim in America. Um, and 
when I grew up, my parents wanted to make sure that Quran and Arabic was like the my foundation, that my religion was my foundation. They sent me back to Egypt over the summer. They sent me, you know, make sure I took all these different classes. And but when I got to high school, a lot of all my friends had boyfriends. So I was like, oh my gosh, I want that companionship. I want to experience yeah. that type of love. And so long story short, um, two months after my high school graduation, I found out I was pregnant. So my parents were like shocked, like we raised you in the best manner. Like how did yeah. this happen to, to us? Um, but they still supported me. They did, they did not shun me or anything like that. They supported me, helped me through school. Um, and my son is 11 now, but um, I was, you know, I was 17 at the time. And then um, I went on to become a nurse. And then I got my doctorate degree in nursing. And um, for my doctoral project, I had to do this huge study, right? So I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Um, and I met this uh, sexologist who was doing a innovative sex education work in um, schools and barbershops and hair salons and churches. And I was like, oh my God, I need to do this. Yes. <laughs> so basically what I did was I took one of her curriculums and I infused it with her Anna and Sana and I implemented it in a mashed with Muslim girls. And it worked. And from there, um, I wasn't even on social media at the time because I was so engrossed in school and my work and everything. But an article had kind of went viral that my school had wrote about me and, you know, that I did this study and I worked with Muslim girls. It was something that they never heard of. Um, so then from there, all of these different imams and community leaders and just started reaching out to me like, oh my God, you need to come here and do that here. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. So they kind of like, I feel like the community kind of placed me on this pedestal. I wasn't really ready for it at that time. So they were like, come on, you got to come see. And I was like, I just did this one study and I just did it to graduate. Like I didn't <laughs> think yeah. that it would happen. Um, so from there, it just, it just um, really like pushed me to go further so now um, I have my master's in human sexuality and I'm earning my PhD in human sexuality. And I created a nonprofit organization called Love Beyond Love, where we provide sex education specifically to Muslim youth. Um, and then on Instagram, I started the Halal Sexpert, which we kind of look at the family as a whole. So for you know married couples, how to talk to your children about sex, because another problem that I ran into when I was doing these workshops for youth, they were like, oh, Dr. Shakira, we can only come to you about this. Like We have no one else to talk to. Um, our parents, I can't talk to my parents about this. And I was like, well, there's only one of me. Like I definitely want to prepare communities. So that's when um, the Halal Sexpert was born. So it just, I just feel like, you know, a lot just really guided me and led me to this, you know, from my life experience, from my education, and just really prepared me to be able to kind of tackle all types of sexuality topics within our community. So I'm really grateful and honored to do that. Uh, and and I can promise you that the community is just as grateful and honored that you have taken on this job. That's such an amazing story. Mashallah, it's so inspiring. And I think that there's so many parts of your story that so many people will be able to relate to you know I think the, th the first thing you said you know you come you go to high school you're in America which is not a predominantly Muslim country I was also raised in a not, not predominantly Muslim country and there is cultures and norms and things that you do in places like these like having boyfriends and yeah you also have sex and all these things and the thing is that you know it's not that you're going out there trying deliberately not to be Muslim or to, you know, do things, mm -hmm. but things happen. You're young. 
and you want to experiment, you want to be like everybody else. I'm, I'm curious as to how much you're meeting that dilemma at your work with your clients as well, or people who reach out to you. So, yeah, so especially when I work with Love Beyond Love, where we focus on youth, um, and we provide, we do youth workshops and things like that. Um, so I run into this all the time. And what I focus on, so my sexuality education for them is all about empowering them. So I never, no one ever told me that I was worthy of marriage. No one ever told me that Allah wants better for me, that he's trying to protect you. He doesn't, he's not trying to like, you know, doesn't want you to have fun or anything like that. It's just that you're worthy of more than just a boyfriend. Like Allah wants you to have a husband and you're better than that. Um, and how serious sex is, like sex is not just this physical act is much deeper than that like it's a spiritual connection it's an emotional connection and something that I really wasn't ready for at 17 um but no one ever told like this these are things that you know my parents never talked to me about school you know we get you think about sex education that children receive is all about protecting them from STDs and yeah. teenage pregnancy and yes you can wear a condom and birth control but that's not going to protect your heart that's not going to protect you and your relationship with your lord and those type of things that um, I really missed out on. I think if I would have gotten that, you know, a lot knows best, but that I, that's what I focus on in my sex education workshops that, you know, yes, I know this hard. I know your hormones, your body is changing. You're going to have these urges and urges and that is natural for you. Um, but a lot wants better for you and that you can, you know, I know this is a challenge right now, but he's going to definitely bless you for this challenge. Like mm. he's going to help you get through this and he's going to bless you with something, you know, beyond what you could have ever imagined. Um, so teaching them ways on how to navigate during this difficult time and doing things like exercise and fasting and, and get, you know, focusing on um, what they love about themselves and getting to know who they are before they even thinking about, you know, a spouse and doing things that they like to do and teaching them, you know, different ways to, you know, focus on those things before they get married, inshallah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just... I'm so happy to hear you say that because, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people can relate to, I, well, this is uh, from my experience speaking in rooms in clubhouse about, you know, sex and sexuality in Islam. And, and um, I remember the first time I shared the story of like, when I first had my first sex ed, edu like in, in school. And I think that's in, in Denmark, I think it's like in the sixth grade. I can't remember. I'm, I'm, I'm too old now to remember that far back. But in Denmark, they give you this little bag with stuff in it. You know, so there's like, a, I think it's like one condom. There's some pamphlets on different STDs and stuff. Then you get like uh, the pad, a couple of tampons, stuff like that, you know. And, um, and it's only the girls who are getting it. The guys didn't get it. And we'd be, you know, the guys in the group and then the women or the girls in a separate classroom. And mm -hmm. every time I remember when it was my sisters or me, whenever we'd have sex ed, my, I would come home with the bag and my mum would take it. And the first thing she'd do is obviously get rid of the condom. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> No, 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 no. And then she'd take the pamphlets because there were drawings of penises, mm -hmm. which she then thought, you know, don't look at that. This is, you know, this is rude. Mm -hmm. And then she would take the tampons and she'd be like, these take your virginity. And, you know, all mm -hmm. these like basically, you know, misconceptions. And I don't blame mm -hmm. my mum for it. There wasn't a lot of ed like education mm -hmm. around it at the time. But, you know, that's the like, that's how I was introduced to to sex basically with mm. that mindset of it's all wrong yeah. and don't look at pictures don't educate yourself it's going to make you want it and everything that's revolves around sex is basically just rude 
Yeah, that is the mindset. So that's what I'm looking to change. I have a course called Halal Sex Talks and it's plural because there's multiple conversations that need to happen. But that experience is what I would call a teachable moment. So that was a chance for parents to come, you know, when kids come home with different things like that, it's for you to sit down and talk and say, yes, this is a condom. This is what you can use to protect you from STIs and teenage pregnancy. But you know, if you use this before marriage, this is not going to, you know, um, protect your relationship with the law. It's not going to protect you and your emotions and how there's other aspects of sex that maybe your teacher didn't talk about. And let's talk about that. Let's have a deeper discussion about these things and looking at pictures of the penis. This is what a law created. This is a penis. This is something that men have and having a discussion about that and about tampons and how your virginity is not taken by tampons and mm-hmm. kind of having a deeper discussion how this is just a tool that you can use for administration. Um, mm-hmm. And just having like normalizing talks like this um, is what I aim for. And it's teaching parents how to um, really kind of get out of their heads and just look at every, like the we come in contact with sexuality contact um, information all around us. So whether it's mm-hmm. like they have promotions for condoms now, they have like kissing scenes or whatever in a movie or a TV show, Let's talk about it. So that like those conversations are so impactful for our youth. Um, it makes such a huge difference. Um, we just have to learn how to do it and do it. Exactly. And I, I think that's the thing, you know, like, as you said, there's kissing scenes in movies. And I, I mean, I guess everyone, you know, despite religious beliefs, will mm-hmm. agree that, you know, watching, you know, an, an intimate scene or sex scene or whatever in a movie with your parents will always be awkward, regardless of whether or not you're Muslim. But it's the whole the whole idea of sex being so you know almost vulgar or something to be so ashamed of that it's becoming more and more awkward the conversation of sex or the topic of sex even though everybody knows that it's natural and at some point the children are going to go grow up get married and have sex and have babies and all these things you know it's the thought is is to raise kids in this world where sex is awkward and you can't speak on it and personally, I think that's really wrong because I think, pers- well, I mean, I can only speak for myself. It made me go the complete opposite direction because mm-hmm. curiosity, right? And curiosity yeah. killed the cat, yeah. right? Yeah. So for, for, for my, but, but that was my personal experience in Denmark. So mm-hmm. everybody knows I've spoken about this before, but I wasn't a virgin when I got married. Mm-hmm. I definitely went out to the other side of the spectrum. I was like, why can't I? why are they keeping all of this a secret mm-hmm. what's so mm-hmm. bad about it? like I didn't get it I, I mm-hmm. honestly did not get it mm-hmm. but and it's not to say again like as you said with your story it's not to say that if my parents had handled it different mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have gone out and had sex before marriage but the point is just that I definitely would have had a different mindset around mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and even to this day at 34 mm-hmm. you know had a different mindset around mm-hmm. sex because you really grow up with it Yes, absolutely. It, it becomes your reality around sex. Absolutely. So that's why I think it's important for us to remember, especially as religious people, that sex is a gift from the law. Like he created sex. He created these organs. He created, for example, as women, we have a clitoris that has 8,000 nerve endings. So he wants us to experience pleasure just mm. by, you know, if we just take a step back and look at our creation um, and not, you know, just, just re- reckon, like just realizing those amazing things about ourselves and about our bodies and how you know a lot created this even though society may have turned it or may have made it this vulgar dirty thing um we know that sex is a beautiful gift from a law that a lot wants us to experience with our spouse this is a close like the most intimate thing that you can ever do with anybody um and he wasn't special 
So just mm-hmm. highlighting that, I think with our youth, that it's a beautiful thing. It's a, you know, it's a blessing from God that he wants you to experience with someone really special um, versus, you know, just don't do it. Just don't have sex until marriage. <laughs> kind of stopping the conversation there when you have all of the sexuality information all around you coming to them all the time, you know, you can't. So it's either, yeah, you can't do that. But I, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm wondering, I know that the listeners are, will hate me if I don't ask, how do you have this conversation with your kids? Because the thing is, and, and I've heard this before, you know, from, from women say, I feel awkward having the conversation, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not even necessarily whether or not the kids are going to feel awkward. It's like, like the parent bringing the awkwardness to the conversation from mm-hmm. the get go. How do you, how do you go about? I mean, I'm curious. I'm sure the listeners are all sitting there like, what? Yeah, I need to know this. <laughs> Well, the first thing you have to do, kind of like what we did, is kind of unpack your own baggage. So as a parent, sit down with yourself and think about what type of sex education you received growing up. What was the good? What was the bad? What do you want to translate? Maybe maybe it wasn't from your parents. Maybe it was from a teacher that they mentioned something that kind of stuck with you. That was a positive thing that you want to make sure you talk to your, keep that, you know, talk to your children about that. Or it was something that you wish you learned kind of like growing up and you wish that you would have learned that growing up. So, so sitting down with yourself first. And then from there, the first thing I have, so I have my talks framework. The T stands for taking advantage of teachable moments. So kind of like what we talked about, um, you can be riding in the car, they can have a question. Maybe you have a, maybe you're pregnant or maybe you have a, you know, a, a family member who's pregnant. That's a conversation. That's um, a discussion that you can start having. And then recognizing um, age appropriate content. So I teach all of that in my course. Um, But for example, sexuality education is not just limited to intercourse. So it's much broader than that. Sexuality education includes conversations about your anatomy, about your body parts, about puberty, about menstruation, about wet dreams, about erections, (laughs) about um, healthy relationships, healthy communication, um, marriage prep, what that looks like. Um, It's so it's so broad, Um, but it starts off really at three years old. You should be talking to your children about their own body parts. So identifying the age-appropriate names of their body parts, making sure they know about body safety rules, which is kind of to protect them from predators. Um, they should know, um, you know, only mommy, daddy, and maybe grandma, whoever those three people are, they are only allowed to clean me or to see my private parts. No one's allowed to touch me there, play with me there, um, kiss me there, because a lot of pedophiles will be creative. And they'll use names like, um, for example, for girls, vulva, they may call it a cupcake and say, oh, I want to play with your cupcake. You can play with my cupcake and kind of making it like a game. Um, or for a boy, they may call his penis a snake. So we want to be clear about, no, this is your penis so that, you know, if they want, if they, you know, disclose to their teacher, Uncle Fred is playing with my snake or Tommy is playing with my snake, you may not think anything of it. But if you say Tommy is playing with my penis, you know, that's a problem. Yeah. So being, helping them identify, you know, what's okay and what's not okay because they're young. They know it may not feel right, but they don't really know. So they should you're just creating a safe space that, you know, you can come and talk to me. I will always believe you if somebody does something that makes you feel funny or makes you feel weird, especially if it involves your private parts and clear about what those areas are in their body um, is very important um, because a lot of times even it's usually pedophiles are usually not, you know, the crazy guy down the street, the guy in the bushes that we kind of picture is usually someone who they know. So it could be a trusted adult. It could be an older child um, a lot of times. Um, so just making sure that you create that comfortability with them 
to they have this trusted relationship with you starting at three, um, three to seven to talk about these things. Talking about consent also is important about, you know, my body is my body. Um, I need so when people need to have permission to touch my body. I need to have permission to, you know, give hugs that there's different ways to show. I'm throwing so much information, but different ways. To, oh, it's um, perfect. I'm, I'm absorbing <laughs> it all. It's so good. Honestly, I'm uh, learning so much. Um, another thing for our young kids is that there's different ways to show love. You know, growing up, um, I'm not sure how it is in your culture, but as African-American in America, we always have to, when you see family members, especially as young kids, you know, you're shy and you see family members who you haven't seen in a long time and everybody wants to give you a hug. It's kind of like, you have to hug Aunt Sue, you have to hug Grandma, you have to do it. And you're like, oh, I'm shy. I really don't want to. And you're kind of like, you know, yelled at if you don't do this. So yeah. teaching our children that if you don't want to give a hug, there's different ways to do that. Shows to show love, I mean. You can give them a high five. You can draw them a picture. You can say, I missed you. I just don't want to hug you right now. That's perfectly fine. And as parents, we have to advocate for that because as they get older, they kind of come up with this notion, okay, maybe now they're a teenager and now they meet this person. And the person is like, well, if you love me, you would have sex with me. If you love me, you would do all these different things with me um, because they were never, you were taught from a young age that, yeah, I have to give you this hug. I must have to, you know, do these different things physical acts with you in order to prove my love and that's not true so teaching them at a young age that there's different ways to show your love and affection um it goes a long way it has a huge impact um wow i'm i'm so mind blown by all this information i'm just thank you first of all for sharing that because i wasn't even like i'm so i i'm 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 a stepmom so my my um my daughter she's well i I, I got her I say that in quotation I got her when, when she was 11 um mm-hmm. but my sister and my brother they they they've got you know babies and children under the age of seven I think mm-hmm. and I just wouldn't have known that you know you speak to a child of three years old about those things and I think it's so funny because I'm starting to think back on situations either with my nieces or nephews or with other little kids where, you know, well-meaning, of course, but you don't say, oh, that's your vagina. You say, oh, that's your nunu or that's your uh-huh. pee Whatever you you you're trying to make it cutesy uh-huh. and whatever, and not really grasping that that could potentially lead to trouble down the line. And also, uh-huh. oh my God, the amount of times I forced my nephews and nieces <laughs> to kiss me and hug me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh I take it off back I'm so sorry can I have a high five no okay maybe later maybe maybe okay I love you I just want you to know that I love <laughs> yeah no I'm but you're so right I, I think I need to I owe my my nieces and nephews an apology because I've done stuff like that and I think we don't re- really recognize that all of these things obviously mold us and the way we mm-hmm. think about yeah. intimacy and relationships and how to show love and appreciation mm-hmm. of a person but of course it makes sense because you are raised I mean I I was also raised with that you know in the Arabic household we do the same you know like you kiss your aunt it's like she's not really my aunt you kiss yeah. your want you know it's like you, you don't really have much of a choice <laughs> but that's so interesting um I really love what you said about um for the parent who feels that awkwardness to sit and see what they bring into the conversation would you recommend that the parent 
speak to someone first about this if they've had something that's troubling them in regards to sex and intimacy and sexuality before mm. speaking to their kids would that be a good idea or do you think just kind of go for it in your intuition and Allah will guide you it really depends if you had serious um trauma if you've had different instances where you feel like you know this is really you know I have this such this negative view around sex um then yeah I would recommend that you talk to someone but if you kind of you know, hasn't been that serious where you kind of grew up and you just maybe never, no one ever talked to you about sexuality education and you're kind of just missing the knowledge piece, you can kind of do that on your own or you can come to like a course like mine or come to different, you know, parenting courses and kind of navigate that way. Um, but it really depends on you and your own experience and your own story as to what level of help you need um, from just kind of reflecting on your own versus, you know, maybe I should talk to someone about this. Mm, mm, absolutely what are you what are you hoping through your work that you can achieve with either parents or with the youth that's a loaded question it's so much I I mean I really just want to you know reclaim sexuality for Muslims and really just claim it as this healthy relationship with our bodies a healthy relationship within our families um, where it becomes normative to have healthy conversations healthy talks around sexuality um, to really help our youth navigate through their everyday challenges with whether it's you know delaying sex until marriage or pornography pornography is another huge struggle that a lot of youth and even adults have we look at our divorce rates and our marriages a lot of it has to do with us not being able to connect with our spouse in a healthy way because of issues around sexuality um, and healthy communication and all those different things. So it's a lot of, you know, challenges that we have, you know, really rooted in, in, in our families that I really want, I think that we can change with, you know, positive sexuality education within our families. Um, so that is like my, my core goal. And then with Love Beyond Love, I'm really working on building a curriculum for Islamic schools and meshes and different conferences to use, um, because again, I'm only one person, so that way they yeah. have that as well. So in, in addition to helping our parents be their primary sexuality educators, um, I still wanted to have another resource for, you know, um, Islamic schools and masjids to have a curriculum that's, you know, in, that has our values and beliefs incorporated in it. Um, and it, you know, it coincides with healthy um sexuality education yeah because the, the, none of that really exists now or at least I at least haven't seen any of that so I can, you know if you're sitting out there and you've seen it you know good for you that's not that's very rare <laughs> at least um for, for a lot of people um I, I I'm wondering are you hoping sort of to change cultures or mindsets or cultures or like around like how we treat sex in conversation in Muslim societies or is it more sort of like the mindset of the individual um uh, well both I think it starts off mm. with you know starts off with you starts off with the individual person and then it branches off to you know maybe your marriage and your family and then it branches off to entire communities and nations so I think it really just starts with an individual person and then spreading that throughout their family and then the community mm. and the culture um but yeah starts off with one person yeah 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 and I think like as as a woman and and um, as a Muslim woman I think I'm gonna say something and some people are gonna be um, I don't know if they're gonna be triggered by it but I'm just gonna say it anyway because sometimes it feels like rules apply differently to 
young men versus young women. Um, do you talk into that? And I do know that that's maybe some, some cultures that, you know, prevails more than others. But, you know, I, I personally is, is one of the things that, you know, I was al always sort of, I always grew up with the idea, at least that, you know, until I went out and had sex before marriage, but that I would have a, a husband who was experienced, but I would have to be the virgin in the marriage kind of thing do you speak into things like that as well yes absolutely and reminding parents that your son's virginity is just as important as your daughter's um so not so in and i don't know i don't know where it started from but it's it's this really widespread brew that view that you know my daughter has to stay this modest um virgin and my son can he's free to just do you know the experience mm. all that he wants is like well who are these girls marrying um so yeah. just so it's important for us to to not do that so in the prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, um so interesting where he talked of the companions most of his, his companions were men and he talked to them about you know the importance of saving their virginity it was not it was not you know and the law talks about in the Quran it's about all people all youth it's not just for girls you know, that how it's the importance of delaying sex until marriage. And there was um, one particular hadith that sticks out to me was it was a young man who said, you know, I love Islam, I love this religion, but the only thing that I want to do is commit zina and have sex outside of marriage. Um, like, if you could just let me do that, then I'll mm. be like the best Muslim. And he said, you know, come here. Like he, in the way that he responded, wasn't yelling at him or, you know, stuck for law, none of that. It was just kind of like, come here, come sit with me and um, really connected with him where he was um, developmentally as an adolescent. Like, how would you feel if someone just wanted to have sex, you know, freely with your mother or your sister or your aunt and like pulling from different people, you know, women in his family, like you wouldn't want that. It's like, no, I wouldn't like want that. That's exactly why, you know, Allah wants you to marry someone. This is someone, any woman that you're interested in doing to that too, is someone's mother, someone's daughter, someone's, you know, sister, someone's aunt. So you don't, you know, we don't do that. We respect all women. And recognizing how law has put women on this pedestal, you think about even the process of having a Wali and having mm. this kind of guardian. I'm saying, like, I always give my youth the analogy of like Beyonce. Like, you can't just walk up to Beyonce and talk to her. Like, you have to go through her bodyguard. You have to. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how you know. That's how you know worthy and how valuable our girls are. Like, you just you know, if you're going behind your Wali's back to talk to someone you're doing your own self a disservice because Allah has put you here, like all the way up here and you're bringing yourself down to talk to, you know, these people when mm. you're trying to protect you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, what, what does Islam say about sex? I mean, I know sort of some things, but enlighten us, <laughs> you know, <laughs> give us the lessons. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have the actual ayah in the Quran, right? Well, I have a few. So mm -hmm. there is, and I will send them to you. So hopefully we can put it in for your listeners to know the exact ayah in okay. the Quran. But Allah talks about how um, you can enter in your wife whatever way you want. So this is refers to positions, how you have, you know, you can enter into your wife any way you want. The only things and in Islam, Islam is such a sex positive religion. There's only two things that are forbidden for a Muslim, a married couple. Um, and that is anal sex and sex during menstruation. So everything else outside of those two is 
free. I mean, of course, there's difference, there's differences of opinions and different methods on different things, but those are the only two forbidden things that a law talks about in the grant. Wow. That you know, anal sex is forbidden and sex door administration. So you have uh, abundance of different positions, ad- abundance of different things to experience with your spouse. Um, and even a law talks about, you know, specifically in the IAD about how you can enter your wife any way you want to, so mm. that any position, any, you know, anything, any fantasy, whatever you have, what you want to dress up, you want to, whatever you want to do, you're free to do that. And how the Prophet Muhammad Sallam used to emphasize foreplay, for example, and he used to say, um, emphasize to his companions, you know, do not um, go into your wife or have sex with your wife um, like an animal. And they said, well, what is, what is that? Like, what, what do you mean? It's like, you have to start off with sweet words and kisses. And that is, you know, as women, um, a lot of our orgasms are 90% mental. So a lot of it has to do with what we're thinking. So we don't have those sweet words and those, you know, how, you know, our spouse explains, you know, how much they love us and why and um, complimenting us and everything. Then, you know, we need that. We need that. And it can, you know, can, you can it start off with that and not to just try to rush into or right, rush into intercourse that you need to have these things beforehand. Yeah. That's so interesting. I really love that. I, 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 and also, you know, that you use the phrase sex positive, you know, that, that Islam is sex positive because we hear so much about Islam and even as Muslims and we know we, we kind of know. And, but then at the same time, you know, our cultures get in the way and shame and, you know, just human egos and whatever else we've been raised with. And so it's so nice to hear that. Uh, what would be like, I, can, can I put you on the spot yet again? I'm so sorry for doing this, but I'm so curious because you said, you know, like, you know, Islam is sex positive. Would Christianity be sex negative? <laughs> no, well, I, it really depends on how you um, identify sex positivity. So in the... Sexual- and I'm not trying to put you out like in a horrible no, no, way, by the way. Sorry, it's just because I'm so curious because it's like that. No, I, no, yeah. I, don't, I don't think, I actually have a close friend, a sexologist, one of my colleagues who, um, her name is Brittany. I can't think of her last name right now, but she has this organization called the Intimacy Firm. And she um, caters to Christian followers. And, like, and we kind of coincide a lot because we have a lot of the same values and a lot of the same, you know, yeah. the people in the book, right? So um, we, and we agree on a lot of different things. So I wouldn't call them sex negative. No, I think just the culture of around that we created around sex in this kind of negative view, um, this is not from Islam. This is not from, you know, actual, if you want to throw Christianity, Christian, Christian values, like this is mm-hmm. not from, this was kind of like this mindset that I said a lot of the, uh, um, like pretty like colonizations are kind of like these um pr- white puritans kind of came up with around that centered sex as a dirty thing yeah um, but this is not from the religion itself the religion itself so islam when i say islam is sex positive um and the islamic view of sex positivity um may be different from the world view of sex positivity mm-hmm. here i think the world view is that you can have sex with whoever you want, whenever you want, be free as your body, kind of do what you want. And we as Muslims, we kind of shift that a little bit in saying that we know that Allah created us, Allah knows what's best for us. And um, sex positivity within that he views it is within a marriage between a husband and wife. And without, you know, you can have sex, you can go, you know, experience this healthy relationship um, with your spouse and explore each other in the best way um, 
is my view of sex positivity. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just had to like ask because it was I I love the phrasing, but and I didn't mean to put you like on the spot like that. It's just I I just ask questions because I'm so curious, and sometimes it can land really randomly, you know. I want to know, um, in your opinion, with the way that everything, as you said, sort of in the beginning, you know, how everything is becoming more and more sexualized in the world, you know, um, I mean, just like going on social media, you know, everything is about, the, you know, for, for girls, the ones with the massive followings usually have very little clothes on or, or like the music industry also is very um, sex fixated, you know, how um, WAP is mm-hmm. so-called new feminism how do we teach our younger generation about sex and sexual empowerment without um white feministic sexual is sexual empowerment does that make sense I'm, i know it's super going to trigger some people and i apologize i don't mean it that way but i don't know how else to say it but basically you know um, how how sexuality has become like an empowerment in the fact that you have to be almost promiscuous mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. naked and that's mm-hmm. where the popularity is that's where you're empowered as a woman in mm-hmm. society nowadays and covering up and and being you know ha- chaste is that the word mm-hmm. um, yeah and pious that's not really the way to go and so mm-hmm. how do we teach our generation our youth mm-hmm. about sex where they can feel empowered in it without going to the opposite end of it. Yeah. Helping them. Yeah. So I was helping them fear lip. So this worldview has this view that you have to be, you know, free and sexually liberated to kind of do what you want. And as Muslims, we know that Allah knows what's best for us. And just remembering that you all created us, that we are going to die. We are going to meet him. And we want to be our best selves. And he has given us this, you know, Islam as our framework to be able to do that. So yes, you can have, you can be sexually liberated within your marriage. You can be spiritual and sexual. You can still have an amazing um, relationship with your spouse. And looking forward to that and saying that if you want to dress like Nicki Minaj with your husband, you can do that. If you want Mm. to, you can be liberated and dress sexy in the house. You don't have to, you know, you don't need everyone else's validation to post this picture of you wearing this outfit for everyone else to see. You can see it. Your friends can see it. If you want to take pictures and you want to wear lingerie and you want to dress sexy in your household and you want to take pictures for yourself and maybe your girlfriends, that's perfectly fine. Um, But it's not for everyone to see. Your body is valuable. Your body is beautiful. It's just not for everyone to see. And that's okay. So being able to, you know, to to say, you know, I'm worthy of showing my body to who I want to show my body to. And I don't have to, I don't need everyone else's validation, everyone else's like to be to be beautiful or mm. to prove that I'm beautiful. You know, I can look in the mirror and I can twerk in the mirror and I can dance and do whatever I want to do in the comfort of my home. And feel liberated and feel happy and feel, you know, that self-love that everyone is seeking. Um, But I don't need it from everyone else. I don't need the whole world to tell me that I'm beautiful when I can tell, you know, have fun with myself or with my girlfriends or whatever, whatever that looks like for you. Um, But I don't need, you know, to do what everyone else is doing to feel beautiful. Yeah, I love that message. I really do. And I think it's so important nowadays. and, And I think it's because the idea of what is sexy or whatever or feminine has been 
just bend it so much <laughs> to the point where it's really difficult to to find out that you can be sexy and modest at the same time mm-hmm. uh, but but who are you sexy for you know that's I guess the thing is mm-hmm. and, and being sexy I think more is a feeling people read into the confidence in, in a person um, as well a lot of it is just like the energies that you're putting out there I guess right um, Dr Shakira we're coming up on time unfortunately um, but I, I want to just ask for anybody who's sitting out there, your courses, your talks, are they online? Yes, my Halal Sex Talks course is completely online. It's a six-week course, um, and it's really amazing because it teaches you age-appropriate content, like what you need to talk to your children about at each age group. So anyone, so parents of all ages can take this course, and it's something that you can keep with you forever because it's something that, you know, I record. So you get the recordings, you get the slides. So whenever you need to go back and kind of refresh your memory as your children get older, you have that information for you. So that is awesome. I I, I really love that. And, and we're definitely going to have a link to that in the show notes for anybody who's interested in checking it out and, and um, purchasing one of these courses. Um, uh, Dr. Shakira, where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? Where should they go and find you? So you can find me on Instagram. I am at the Halal Sexpert. And also you can follow me at at Love Me on Love. So Love Me on Love is catered specifically to you. So all the content there is specifically for youth, um, for them to kind of learn sexuality education for themselves. And then the Halal Sexpert is more geared, geared towards adults and how to be sex positive within your families. I love it. I love it. And I, I have to say, you know, I've been following you on um, the Halal Sex Put page on Instagram. And, I, you know, your content is just gold. I just love it. Oh, I love reading your posts. I think you're so spot on with what you're doing. And I just I really, really appreciate your work and everything that you're doing for the Ummah. I think it's so underappreciated, the work that you do, and and we need to highlight it so much more. So everybody who's listening in, go give her a follow, check out her program and her courses, make sure you purchase, support, support wherever you can. This is is important work. So thank you so much for everything that you're doing. It's really a great, great thing. Oh, Alhamdulillah. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I'm sure I'm going to see more of you over on Instagram, inshallah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening in to today's episode. If you want to connect with me elsewhere, you can find the links to my socials on zarapedison.com. Before you go, I'd love it if you could leave me a review or tell a friend about the podcast. And if you're new here, you might as well subscribe. You'll be back. I know it. You know it. There's no point in delaying the commitment. Welcome to the sisterhood, babe. Until next time, please don't forget to live in love.